Good afternoon. It is snowing out and I am excited because it is snowing out precisely for that reason. The winter is coming in and things look absolutely beautiful outside. So if you will join me, this is episode 22 of the Intellectual Kitchen. Welcome. It is good to have you back. It is crazy and wild and exciting to be continuing to do this as the winter settles in. I am just super excited to answer some more questions, follow up on some more feedback in this. This is episode 22, Catching Up, part two. Thank you for joining me. Uh, so, so. It's uh, it's snowing out today, which is uh, it's we're, we're recording on Saturday, December 9th, two thousand and seventeen. Snow is always exciting, especially here in the Northeast when it comes very often, and and this is the this is the season when it begins to occur. So that is just always always very exciting, and I say let's just dive right in to some questions and comments. So. We published our initial uh, catching up episode about, ooh, let's see, it was episode nine. We published that on November 28th, so that's about, what is that, 11, 11 days ago? So about a week and a half ago, give or take, uh, actually, a, a little more by the time you hear this. So we've published uh, 10... No, 12. We've published 12 more episodes between, uh, between that, uh, that point, that time of, of, uh, of catching up and now, I think. Looks like 12, yeah. Anyway, that's super exciting because we are just punching it out here. And I'm going to go through these episodes one at a time, the ones that we've published since our first Catching Up episode. Uh, and if there's anything that comes to mind that I need to follow up on, I will do that. And if there are any comments that others left for me, I will mention and attempt to respond to those as well. So right after Catching Up, we had our olives oils and vinegars episode that was published right after catching up now that uh, was a particularly fun episode for me because i got to recount my hilarious uh, olive and, and uh, olive oil and vinegar tasting experiences at this cooking store uh, and if i am remembering correctly at one point in that episode uh, i talked about how Vinegar, or or I, I talked about how olives were, uh, well, the, the the phrase I was reaching for was an acquired taste. Olives and vinegars are an acquired taste, and and I was striving for uh for that phrase, and instead could not think of it, and was saying things silly things like it's something you grow into or something you you step into, uh, and I I I do believe I happen to remember the correct phrase shortly after publishing that episode. But regardless, uh, I was I was asked, or not asked, but it was mentioned to me what the correct phrase was, I believe. Ah, yes, here it is. So... 
at just after the olives oils and vinegars episode was published matt our uh, our top commenter here at the intellectual kitchen said i have comments and i said go ahead he said one olives seem to me to be an acquired taste in all capitals and I've only started enjoying them recently. Well, Matt, I'm glad you enjoy olives. I also have only started enjoying them recently. And yes, that is the appropriate phrase, the acquired taste. And then he asks, two, what was the best olive oil and what did it taste like? Now, from here, Matt and I had a fun conversation. I said, the basil olive oil was my favorite one I tried there last week. It had it tasted, excuse me, it tasted like olive oil that had basil leaves in it. He said, but what does that taste like? That's like saying, that's like me saying a chocolate bar tastes like chocolate, which is technically true, but it doesn't really give anything to your audience. So I said, like the oil left over at the bottom of the bowl of pesto. He said, but I don't know what that tastes like. Don't describe what it was like. Describe what it was. Sweet, explosive. And I said, creamy, smooth, but also thick in a sense, and fiery from the basil. And he said, that's better. Then he said, what's the difference between vinegar and vinaigrette? And I said, to the best of my knowledge, vinegar is straight vinegar. Vinaigrette is a salad dressing usually made of vinegar, oil, and seasoning. And of course, (sighs) of course... Then I said, I would love to talk more about the tastings. I don't mean to be short or not descriptive, even though this is your quote unquote last comment, because he did after or right before saying, what's the difference between vinegar and vinaigrette? He did say final comment. Well, there you have it. So that is following up on olives, oils and vinegars. Uh, Components. I don't think there was any follow up on that. Uh, Unless I can think of anything I said I would try. I probably said I would try a lot of things, which I have not yet had time to try, but I will try to get to it. Coffee and tea, not much on that. The Modern Meal, I know people enjoy that episode, kind of wild, but people enjoyed it. Uh, Silverware, plates, and napkins. Here we go. Another comment on this one, Silverware, plates, and napkins, episode 14. Dad says... He says, with regards to utensils, I wonder what percent of people in the world don't even use utensils. In many cultures, eating by hand is normal and customary. Plus, what about chopsticks? You're absolutely right. It does seem that in many cultures, eating with no utensils is the norm. And yes, there are things like chopsticks, which I would consider utensils. Some people would probably even call them silverware, even though they're not uh, often made out of metal, although I would not be surprised to see them. I haven't done much research in this field, but it does seem the case that utensils are perhaps a bit of an American or European thing. Episode 15, crackers, chips, and dips. Nothing there. Episode 16, food ethics. Yes, Matt Matt came back to challenge me on this one. And if I can locate his comment, he said... I'm, I'm still looking for it, for the record. Let's see. 
He said, the chicken is not happy. The chicken is dead. That's sad. I responded with a sad face. He then said, I bet the chicken is not happy with the way things went. And I said, yeah, with another sad face. And then he goes, but you said it was happy. How do you square treating chickens ethically up to the point of killing them? And this is what I said. I said, if done humanely, it could be at peace with its fate rather than roll down a conveyor belt and watch for minutes as its friends are guillotined with blood spurting everywhere, its adrenaline heightened and enzymes going wild, a completely unstable state of mind. What if instead the chicken lives its peaceful life eating normal foods for chickens and when it is time, it is slaughtered instantly and without knowing the event is to happen such that it is frozen in a peaceful state and it is happy that it can be part of a wonderful design. This is, yes, incredibly controversial, but the text above derives almost entirely from a long conversation my mom and I once had with an engineer who's a friend of ours. This is true. Then he says, then Matt says, I feel like it would not be happy to be part of the wonderful design, but I get the rest of what you have to say. And I said, yes, that is an egregious remark. The point I'm trying to make is not that it ought to be honored or grateful to, to be serving humans, but that it might be happy to know that after its death, it was treated with continued care, worked with by an artist who had a passion for good nature production and design and served perhaps at a restaurant as part of a special dish on a special evening rather than processed by machine sterilized and packaged and frozen. And Matt said, that is true. I hope the chickens have nice lives. So that is food ethics. Next, cider, cocoa, and eggnog. My mom happily reminded me that on last New Year's Day, I in fact had hot chocolate that was made by melting chocolate in milk. And as she reminded me, and as I remembered, I rather liked it very much. Now, I would like to try that again. I would like to think more about how that was made. I would like to try different combinations and different proportions of milk and chocolate and see how it comes out. Milk, chocolate, dark chocolate, all these different kinds of things, maybe even white chocolate, who knows? And then the chocolate would not even be brown at all. But I think it is worth a shot. I will have to get back to you on that. I know there's so many things I said I would try in a kitchen on my own, and I still haven't done that yet, but I do hope to sometime soon. Next, our title track, The Intellectual Kitchen, about how we're made. I myself have a comment and a follow-up to make on this, which is how we decide what to talk about. Now, this process is not nearly as organized as you might think, or uh, and not nearly as structured. Basically, uh, I come up with ideas from Experience that is experiences that I've had eating foods and eating at restaurants uh, and eating with friends. My friends come up with ideas. I think of them. They think of them. They tell me them. I write them down in a spreadsheet. Uh, it just gets filled up with random ideas and phrases and thoughts. And shortly before recording, and I mean really shortly before recording, especially if there's no guests, like as many, you know, as as few as uh, probably between one and one and and thirty minutes before recording, uh, and you know, sometimes maybe like a day if I really think about it, I'll decide what to talk about, and then I'll just talk about it. Um, there's no script, but I do tend to pull together. Uh, my thoughts and verbal expressions of those thoughts based on a couple of short stories or points that I specifically want to make about the topic at hand that I've gathered previously in my mind and written the topic down because I know I have those stories or tales or ideas in my head. Um, 
And when there's a guest, well, guests like to be prepared, of course, so we usually decide on a topic uh, a few days before just chatting it out. Uh, Next, manners. No comments on that yet because that is a recent episode. And buffets, no comments on that yet. Actually, actually, now that I think of it, there is a comment on buffets, perhaps? Let's see. Let's see. Yes, yes, this is from Buffets, episode 20. Matt says, I feel like I disagree that something is good because it was designed to be good. In response, I said, not designed to be good, designed well. And he said, yes, but I don't think something has to be designed well to be well. Sometimes haphazard works. Then I said, for prepared food, I think design is pretty invisible, and good food is often good because it is designed well, though I agree that that's not the full story. Things are good for all different reasons, and putting a definitive pin on it is misleading, which I strongly believe. And then, reading his haphazard comment, I said, oh, absolutely, you make a fantastic point, because I know, and I say this with an incredible amount of truth, I know that I have at various points in my life, thrown random foods together in hopes that they'd be good. And they were, indeed, quite good. So that's the idea of haphazard. You throw things together and you see what works. That's the idea of design. It's not all about thinking hard. I mean, sometimes it's about thinking hard, but you don't have to think hard because thinking hard, honestly, can be exhausting and a little boring sometimes. And so it's exciting to just throw what you have together. And it's important to do that. It's important that we keep working, keep iterating, keep moving forward. That's a Walt Disney quote, sorry. But, it, you know, it's, it's, it's critical that we, take, that we take our ideas, even the most random ones, and try them out, that we see how things turn out, that, that, we, that we verify certain thoughts and assumptions about combinations, mixtures, components, things that we're preparing in the kitchen. The only way you're going to make better food is by making more food. The only way you can get food to begin with is to make it or buy it, for the most part. And so I think it's important with food that you, yes, put some thought into it, but also at other times you don't. And you see what works. You see what works for you. You see what happens when you throw things together. See what happens when you put more thought into it or less. Because when you do things with care, they can come out really nicely. And when you do things haphazardly, they come out really nicely too. So yes, it depends what you put in it. But you can influence what you put in it. You can add your own touch to it. You can modify things, as we've mentioned so many times before, and you can try new things. It's about reaching out, thinking, I don't know about that, but that sounds like it might be good. Let me try it. And if it's not good, you try something else. And if it is, well, then you make it again. I've said this before. I will say it again. It is design. It's what we do. It's good food. It's how it's made. Thank you for joining me. We will be back with much 
much more exciting stuff. Have a nice day. Hey, thanks for coming back today for episode 22 of The Intellectual Kitchen. We are really rolling along here. And of course, I enjoyed answering your questions, following up on comments, following up on my own thoughts, and of course, bringing this whole food design thing into the sphere of reality. How are we doing this well? What makes food good? Well, it's the fact that we keep going at it, that we keep trying again over and over. If there's one thing you take away, don't give up. Have a nice day. Enjoy yourself.